Welcome to Trifecta Now, Living a Course in Miracles. This is Season 5, and it's called The Book Club. Chapter 9. Welcome back. The world is in a spiritual war. People need to awaken now more than ever. The Bible told us of these times and foretold how it would end. I find peace in knowing that there are no bad endings, just bad perceptions of endings. This book not only teaches us that, but reminds us of who we truly are. Judgment plays a significant role in these times. I myself have found myself being judged for loyalties to peace and freedom. It's important to remember this. If you are not feeling peace, love, and joy, then you are on the wrong side of whatever is happening around you or inside of you. The wrong side of perception, the wrong side of your journey. The good news is you can shift to right-mindedness in a moment. Let go of any fear, anger, and hate you may be feeling towards a person, place, or thing. Healing is an inside job, one you must undertake alone. With the help of the Holy Spirit, it can be done in an instant. We are starting chapter nine this week, the acceptance of the atonement, which is on page 160. Chapter nine focuses on understanding that this world is not reality. God's kingdom is reality. Judgment and its price are taught here as well. There is no sin. We do not sin. We make mistakes and errors, all of which can be corrected and removed. Forgiveness and healing are key components of our journey in this world. It's important to understand why forgiveness is freedom. Healing is an inside job, and people who are not healed cannot be healers. If you are holding on to pain, anger, and misery, (laughs) then you cannot help others heal. This is a huge misperception that must be addressed for many to heal themselves. So let us begin. Chapter nine, this is the sections I'll be covering this week, is the acceptance of reality, the answer to prayer, the correction of error, the Holy Spirit's plan for forgiveness, and the unhealed healer. Um, We will continue with chapter nine also in two weeks time. Okay, so on page 160, we're going to start with The acceptance of reality. Paragraph one starts like this. Fear of the will of God is one of the strangest beliefs the human mind has ever made. It could not possibly have occurred unless the mind were already profoundly split, making it it possible for it to be afraid of what what it really is. Reality cannot threaten anything except illusions since reality can only uphold truth. The very fact that the will of God, which is what you are, is perceived as fearful, demonstrates that you are afraid of what you are. It is not then the will of God of which you are afraid, but yours. Paragraph two, your will is not the ego's, and that is why the ego is against you. What seems to be the fear of God is really the fear of your own reality. It is impossible to learn anything consistently in a state of panic. 
If the purpose of this course is to help you remember what you are, and if you believe what you are is fearful, then it must follow that you will not learn this course. Yet the reason for the course is that you do not know what you are. (laughs) Paragraph three starts with, if you do not know what your reality is, why would you be so sure that it is fearful? Question mark. Sentence five, a little further down says, you've set up this strange situation so that it is impossible to escape from it without a guide who does not know that what reality is. Sorry, my book's in the wrong place. I'm just going to move it over. The purpose of this guide is merely to remind you of what you want. He is not attempting to force an alien, an alien will upon you. He is merely making every possible effort within the limits you impose on him to reestablish your own will in your awareness. So I'm going to stop here just to kind of explain what I just read. So us, so understanding that this world is not real and not reality. And that's the struggle we have is we think it is. And because we think this is real, everything that comes in our way, everything that we, that comes before us, we think is real. (laughs) That's the struggle. And that's what we have to work with. And that's why we need a guide to help us. Paragraph four, sentence two says, when I said that the Holy Spirit's function is to sort out the true from the false in your mind, I meant that he has the power to look into what you have, next page, hidden and recognize the will of God there. His recognition of this will can make it real to you because he is in your mind and therefore he is your reality. If then his perception of your mind brings its reality to you. He's helping you to remember what you are. Hmm. Paragraph five says, I've emphasized many times that the Holy Spirit will never call upon you to sacrifice anything. Sentence three says, there is no difference between your will and God's. If you did not have a split mind, you would recognize that willing is salvation because it is communication. Paragraph six, sentence three, a divided mind cannot communicate because it speaks for different things to the same mind. This loses the ability to communicate simply because confused communication does not mean anything. A message cannot be communicated unless it makes sense. Paragraph seven says, you may insist that the Holy Spirit does not answer you, but it might be wiser to consider the kind of questioner you are. You do not ask only for what you want. This is because you are afraid you might receive it and you would. Sentence seven, a little further down says, reality is the only safety. That's God's reality. Your will is your salvation because it is the same as God's. The separation is nothing more than the belief that it is different. Next page, page 162, paragraph nine says this. Ultimately, everyone must remember the will of God because ultimately everyone must recognize himself. This recognition is the recognition that his will and God's are one. In the presence of truth, there are no unbelievers and no sacrifices. In the security of reality, fear is totally meaningless. Paragraph 10. When you ask the Holy Spirit for what would hurt you, he cannot answer because nothing can hurt you. And so you're asking for nothing. 
Any wish that stems from the ego is a wish for nothing, and to ask for it is not a request. It is merely a, demi- it is merely a denial in the form of a request. The Holy Spirit is not concerned with form, being aware only of meaning. The ego cannot ask the Holy Spirit for anything because there is complete communication failure between them. Paragraph 11 says, you do not recognize the enormous waste of energy you expend in denying truth. What would you say to someone who persists in attempting the impossible, believing that to achieve it is to succeed? The belief that you must have the impossible in order to be happy is totally at variance with the principle of creation. God could not will that happiness depended on what you could never have. The fact that God is love does not require belief, but it does require acceptance. It is indeed possible for you to deny facts, although it is impossible for you to change them. If you hold your hands over your eyes, you will not see because you are interfering with the laws of seeing. If you deny love, you will not know it because your cooperation is the law of its being. You cannot change laws you did not make, and the laws of happiness were created for you, not by you. Next page. Paragraph 13 starts with, God in his devotion to you created you devoted to everything and gave you what you are devoted to. Otherwise, you would not have been created perfect. Reality is everything, and you have everything because you are real. You cannot make the unreal because the absence of reality is fearful and fear cannot be created. As long as you believe that fear is possible, you will not create. Opposing orders of reality make reality meaningless and and reality is meaning. Paragraph 14. Remember then that God's will is already possible and nothing else will ever be. This is the simple acceptance of reality because only that is real. You cannot distort reality and know what it is. And if you do distort reality, you will experience anxiety, depression, and ultimately panic because you are trying to make yourself unreal. When you feel these things, do not try to look beyond yourself for truth, for truth can only be be within you. Say therefore this. Christ is in me, and where he is, God must be, for Christ is part of him. Okay, so that's the first section that we covered, which is the acceptance of reality. So this section just clearly trying to state that this, nothing here is real, right? Nothing here is real. This is an illusion. Sorry, an illusion we created. An illusion that is not of God. God is inside us. And the only place to find that reality is inside of us. Nothing outside. I I always find it that the best thing to look, the best way to look at it is that nothing around me, outside of me is real. The only thing that is real is inside me. Not even my body is real, but what's inside me, the altar of God, that is reality. The next section on page 163 is called the answer to prayer. And paragraph one starts like this. Everyone who ever tried to use prayer to ask for something has experienced what appears to be failure. 
This is not only true in connection with specific things that might be harmful, but also in connection with requests that are strictly in line with this course. The latter in particular might be incorrectly interpreted as proof that the course does not mean what it says. You must remember, however, that the course states and repeatedly that its purpose is to escape from fear. Paragraph two. Let us suppose then that what you ask of the Holy Spirit is what you really want, but you are still afraid of it. Should this be, next page, top 164, uh, next page is 164. Should this be the case, your attainment of it would no longer be what you want. This is why certain specific forms of healing are not achieved, even when the state of healing is. An individual may ask for physical healing because he is fearful of bodily harm. At the same time, if he were healed physically, the threat of his thought system might be considerably more fearful to him than its physical expression. Paragraph 3 says the Bible emphasizes that all prayer is answered, and this is indeed true. The very fact that the Holy Spirit has been asked for anything will ensure a response. Yet it is equally certain that no response given by him will ever be one that would increase fear. It is impossible that his answer will not be heard. It is impossible, however, sorry, it is possible that his answer will not be heard. It is impossible, however, that it will be lost. There are many answers you have already received, but have not yet heard. I assure you that they are waiting for you. So I'll stop here, and and this is important to clarify this. The book is not saying that prayers are not answered. Of course, they're answered. But we don't always get the answers we want. (laughs) That's uh, That's what we have to stress here, is that sometimes we put out prayers because we want specific things to happen. Well, not a lot of times those specific things are not what God wants for us. So, of course, that's not going to happen. So we have to be clear on that. Paragraph five says the message your brother gives you is up to you. What does he say to you? Question mark. What would you have him say? Question mark. Your decision about him determines the message you receive. Remember that the Holy Spirit is in him and his voice speaks to you through him. What can so holy a brother tell you except truth? But are you listening to it? Question mark. Your brother may not know who he is, but there is a light in his mind that does know. This light can shine into yours, giving truth to his words and making you able to hear them. His words are the Holy Spirit's answer to you. Is your faith in him strong enough to let you hear? Question mark. I'm going to stop there too. I want to add something. There's many times, and I think a lot of you may have, may have had this as well. There's many times for myself where I've been speaking to someone in conversation, just a general conversation. And then just as the conversation ends, I'll add something. Something will come out of my mouth. Maybe it's, I'll, I love you. Maybe it's be safe. Maybe it's some, it could be something, whatever. And I've turned and walked away and thought to myself, where'd that come from? I didn't say that. Um, That's because at those moments in time, the Holy Spirit and God are working through you to send the message to the other person that you're talking to. That's why it's so important that first, we are living in the moment, and second, that we listen to what other people are saying. 
it might be a message for us. Paragraph six, sentence two says, prayer is the restatement of inclusion directed by the Holy Spirit under the laws of God. Salvation is of your brother. The Holy Spirit extends from your mind to his and answers you. So that goes back to what I said there. You cannot hear, oh, we'll continue. You cannot hear the voice of God in yourself alone because you are not alone. That moves to the next page, 165. Paragraph seven says, I love you for the truth in you as God does. Your deceptions may deceive you, but they cannot deceive me. Knowing what you are, I cannot doubt you. I hear only the Holy Spirit in you who speaks to me through you. If you would hear me, hear my brothers in whom God's voice speaks. The answer to all prayers lies in them. You will be answered as you hear the answer in everyone. Paragraph eight says, believe in your brother because I believe in you, and you will learn that my belief in you is justified. Believe in me by believing in them for the sake of what God gave them. Sentence four says, do not ask for blessings without blessing them, for only in this way can you learn how blessed you are. By following this way, you are seeking the truth in you. This is not going beyond yourself, but towards yourself. Paragraph nine, sentence five says, there is a price you will pay for judgment because judgment is setting is the setting of a price. And as you set it, you will pay it. Paragraph 10 says, if paying is equated with getting, you will set the price low, but demand a high return. You will have forgotten, however, that to price is to value so that you return, so that your return is in proportion to your judgment of worth. If paying is associated with giving, it cannot be perceived as loss and the reciprocal relationship of giving and receiving will not be recognized. Paragraph 11 at the bottom says, never forget that then that you set the value on what you receive. Next page, page 166, and price it by what you give. To believe that it is possible to get much for little is to believe that you can bargain with God. God's laws are always fair and perfectly consistent. By giving, you receive. But to receive is to accept, not to get. It is impossible not to have, but it is possible not to know you have. Paragraph 12 says, you can ask of the Holy Spirit then only by giving to him. And you can give to him only where you recognize him. If you recognize him in everyone, consider how much you will be asking of him and how much you will receive. And sentence four at the bottom says, this is the way and the only way to have his answer because his answer is all you ask for and want. Say then to everyone, because I will to know myself, I see you as God's son and my brother. So that is um, the answer to prayer. So just sort of explaining that the prayer to, to when you give, when prayers are given out, prayers come back at, to you. So it's really important to know what you're praying for and to understand that what you're praying for has to be something that has an overall benefit to everyone, including yourself. The correction of error on page 166, I'm starting on paragraph two. 
To the ego, it is kind of right, sorry, to the ego, it is kind and right and good to point out errors and correct them. This makes perfect sense to the ego, which is aware, unaware of what errors are and what correction is. Sentence four says, when you correct a brother, you are telling him that he's wrong. He may be making no sense at the time, and it is certain that if he is speaking from the ego, he will not be making sense. But your task is still to let him... Oh, sorry. But your task is still to tell him he is right. You do not tell him this verbally if he is speaking foolishly. He needs correction at another level because its error is at another level. He is still right because he is the son of God. Paragraph three on page 167 starts with, if you point out the errors of your brother's ego, you must be seeing through yours because the Holy Spirit does not perceive his errors. I'm going to stop here for a second. It's really important. I say this a lot to a lot of my friends, particularly anyone going through some conflict with other people. I remind them that when somebody attacks you verbally, when somebody, you know, is pointing out your wrongs or telling you what you should or shouldn't be doing, we know that's judgment. But we also need to know that that is what they, how they see themselves. That is not about you. So we have to remember that when people attack us verbally, that that is always their issues. It's always about their judgment that they hold. It's never about you. Paragraph four, when you react at all to errors, you are not listening to the Holy Spirit. He is merely disregard them. And if you attend to them, you are not hearing him. If you do not hear him, you are listening to your ego and making as little sense as the brother whose errors you perceive. So that's really important as well. It's saying here that as soon as you accept what somebody's saying negatively towards you when they when they um, attack you, once you take it in and you take it personally, then you're just accepting it from an ego level. You're not listening to the Holy Spirit who says disregard that. That means nothing. That is that that means nothing. It is nothing. Paragraph five. When a brother behaves insanely, you can heal him only by perceiving the sanity in him. If you perceive his errors and accept them, you are accepting yours. If you want to give yours over to the Holy Spirit, you must do this with his. Sentence six says, your brother is as right as you are. And if you think he is wrong, you are condemning yourself. Paragraph six says, you cannot correct yourself. It is impossible then for you, sorry, you cannot correct yourself. Is it possible then for you to correct another? Question mark. Sentence four says, it is not up to you to change your brother, but merely to accept him as he is. His errors do not come from truth that that is in him. Only the truth, sorry, only this truth is yours. Sentence seven, to perceive errors in anyone and to react to them as if they were real is to make them real to you. You will not escape paying the price for this, not because you are being punished for it, but because you are following the wrong guide and will therefore lose your way. Again, I'll stop there. This is all saying repeatedly that the that our perception has everything to do with how we understand and how we take things in. 
And if we're taking in people's negativity and judgment, then we're just interpreting it with our ego and not with the help of the Holy Spirit. That's why we have to not interpret it at all. Do not let it in. Dismiss it. Let it go. Paragraph seven says, your brother's errors are not of him any more than yours are of you. Sentence six at the very bottom says, atonement is no more separate than love. Atonement, next page, page 168, cannot be separate because it comes from love. Any attempt you make to correct a brother means that you believe correction by you is possible, and this can only be arrogance of the ego. Correction is of God, who does not know of arrogance. (laughs) So back to the added piece is that it's not our job to correct people who attack us, who say things horrible to us. It's not our job to do that. I mean, we can, we can throw, we can throw, shouldn't say throw, but give love back to them. But to correct them, to attack back is just making the same error that they're making. And it's pointless. Let God step in and he'll correct the error. Uh, paragraph eight, the last paragraph says the Holy Spirit forgives everything because God created everything. Do not undertake his function or you will forget yours. Accept only the function of healing in time because that is what time is for. God gave you the function to create in eternity. You do not need to learn that, but you do need to learn to want it. Okay, so the next section on page 168 continued on is the Holy Spirit's plan for forgiveness. Paragraph one, sentence two, says this, to forgive is to overlook. Look then beyond error and do not let your perception rest upon it, for you will believe what you perceive, what your perception holds. Accept as true only what your brother is, if you would know yourself. Perceive what he is not and you cannot know what you are because you see him falsely. Remember always that your identity is shared and that its sharing is your reality. Paragraph two, sentence two. You do not understand how to overlook errors or you would not make them. (laughs) Paragraph three starts with sentence one. The atonement is a lesson in sharing, which is given you because you have forgotten how to do it. The Holy Spirit merely reminds you of the natural use of your abilities. By reinterpreting the ability to attack into the ability to share. He translates what you have made into what God created. If you would accomplish, next page, this through him, you cannot look on your abilities through your eyes of the ego, or you will judge them as it does. Paragraph four, sentence four says, the ego's plan is to have you see error clearly first and then overlook it. Yet how can you overlook what you have made real, question mark. By seeing it clearly, you have made it real and cannot overlook it. (laughs) Paragraph five says, forgiveness that is learned of me does not use fear to undo fear, nor does it make real the unreal and then destroy it. Forgiveness through the Holy Spirit lies simply in looking beyond error from the beginning and thus keeping it unreal for you. That I think is the most profound statement because that's exactly what you have to do when people attack you is you have to look beyond the words, look beyond what they're saying, know that spiritually they are your brother, 
They are your sisters. They are one with you. And what is coming out of their mouth is only ego. It's not who they truly are. And if we can get to that point, if we all could get to that point in seeing that, we would start to teach each other how to communicate better. Paragraph six, follow the Holy Spirit's teaching of forgiveness then, because forgiveness is his function and he knows how to fulfill it perfectly. That is what I meant when I said that miracles are natural and when they do not occur, something has gone wrong. Paragraph seven, the confusion of functions is so typical of the ego that you should be quite familiar with it by now. The ego believes that all functions belong to it, even though it has no idea what they are. (laughs) Next page, page 170, paragraph nine, the ego literally lives on borrowed time and its days are numbered. Do not fear the last judgment, but welcome it and do not wait for the ego's time, for the ego's time is borrowed from your eternity. This is the second coming that was made for you as the first was created. The second coming is merely the return of sense. Can this possibly be fearful? Question mark. Paragraph 10 says, what can be fearful but fantasy and who turns to fantasy unless he despises? but despairs of finding satisfaction in reality, question mark. Yet it is certain that you will never find satisfaction in fantasy so that your only hope is to change your mind about reality. Paragraph 11, sentence three, the symbols of fantasy are of the ego and of these you will find many, but do not look for meaning in them. They have no more meaning than the fantasies into which they are woven. Fairy tales can be pleasant or fearful, but no one recalls them true. Children may believe them, and so for a while the tales are true for them. Paragraph 12 at the bottom says, Behold, my child, reality is here. It belongs to you and me and God and is perfectly satisfying to all of us. Only this awareness heals because it is the awareness of truth. Okay, so that section called the Holy Spirit's plan for forgiveness, of forgiveness, is just looking at who we are in relation to one another, right? The Holy Spirit works through us, and the only way to allow him to do that is to stop the judgment of one another. Page 171, the unhealed healer. This is the last section. Paragraph one, sentence three says, let us consider the unhealed healer more carefully now. By definition, he is trying to give what he has not received. If an unhealed healer is a theologian, for example, he may begin with the premise, I am a miserable sinner and so are you. If he is a psychotherapist, he is more likely to start with the equally incredible belief that attack is real for both himself and the patient, but that it does not matter for either of them. (laughs) Paragraph two says, I've repeatedly said that beliefs of the ego cannot be shared, and this is why they are unreal. How then can uncovering them make them real? Question mark. Every healer who searches fantasies for truth must be unhealed because he does not know where to look for truth and therefore does not have the answer to the problem of healing. Paragraph three, there is an advantage to bringing nightmares into awareness, 
but only to teach that they are not real and that anything they contain is meaningless. The unhealed healer cannot do this because he does not believe it. All unhealed healers follow the ego's plan for forgiveness in one form or, or another. If they are theologians, they are likely to condemn themselves, teach condemnation, and advocate a fearful solution. Projecting condemnation onto God, they make him appear retaliative and fear his retribution. What they have done is merely to identify with the ego and by perceiving what it does, condemn themselves because of this confusion. It is understandable that they have been there have been revolts against this concept, but to revolt against it is still to believe in it. <laughs> That's really interesting, that section. Because what it's saying is that anything, anybody that is selling the idea of fear, selling the idea of punishment or retribution is only working from an ego place. Only from ego. And it doesn't matter what role they take. It doesn't matter if they're a Christian leader. It doesn't matter if they're a psychotherapist. It doesn't matter if they're a doctor. They are still working from the ego and they cannot be healers if they're coming from that point. Next page. Actually, I skipped all the part about the ther- about therapists and going through that. I jumped on page 172. I just jumped to the bottom of it just to touch on a little other, another little piece of it. it says a therapist does not heal. He lets healing be. That is really important that nobody can heal you. You have to heal yourself, but we just help in the process of healing. He can point to darkness, but he cannot bring light of himself, for light is not of him. Yet being for him, it must also be for his patient. The Holy Spirit is the only therapist. He makes healing clear in any situation in which God is the guide. You can only let him fulfill his function. Next page. He needs no help for this. He will tell you exactly what to do to help anyone he sends to you for help and will speak to him through you if you do not interfere. Remember that you choose the guide for helping and the wrong choice will not help. But remember also that the right one will. Trust him for help is his function and he is of God. As you awaken other minds to the Holy Spirit through him and not yourself, you will understand that you are not obeying the laws of this world, but the laws you are obeying work. The good is what works, is a sound, is a sound through inefficient, a sound though inefficient statement. Only the good can work. Nothing else works at all. This course, sorry, paragraph nine, this course offers a very direct and very simple learning situation and provides the guide who tells you what to do. If you do it, you will see that it works. Its results are more convincing than its words. They will convince you that the words are true. By following the right guide, you will learn the simplest of all lessons. And this is, by their fruits, ye shall know them, and they shall know themselves. Oh, the acceptance. So that is, and the next, we will continue next week with the acceptance of your brother. Sorry, in two weeks with the acceptance of sec acceptance of your brother. <laughs> I'm tongue-tied today. The unhealer, unhealed healer, I think I sort of stressed that, that we have to be very careful of who is tr- trying to help us with healing because healing is at the core level and healing is done 
by yourself through the Holy Spirit. No other person can heal you. They can assist you with the Holy Spirit in healing, and that is just by connecting you to the Holy Spirit. And uh, one last thing I want to state on this, which is really important, and I said that a little bit earlier, is when you're listening to other people, some people have messages for you, and that's why it's so important to listen. And the Holy Spirit works through our brothers and sisters to send those messages out. So listen very carefully. Okay. We are, uh, all right. So we have finished with that. We will be doing the acceptance on page 173. We'll be picking that up in two weeks, the acceptance of your brother and doing the next five sections, which will lead us into chapter 10. So next week we will be continuing chapter nine. Well, thank you for listening. I have started my online live book club this month. If anyone is interested in joining, please email me. There is no cost involved. You can join us at any time. We're open to that. I can be contacted by my email at trifectanow3 at gmail.com. If you'd like to join the book club, if you'd like to ask a question, share a comment, say hello, whatever you would like, please feel free to contact me. I have the details of the month's ma- this month's masterclass um, in the description of this podcast. If you're interested, please review that. Thank you for joining me on this journey. Keep sharing the love. And remember, this is our journey. Let us together find our way. Live in this moment. It's the only one that truly matters. Always love, Denise.